Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Amen. It's good to be with you. Listen, um, you know, at the Avenue, we probably talk a lot about wedding. Is that for me? Did my honey bunny sitting there for me? Thank you, baby. I love you so much. I love you so much, girl. Let somebody else preach. Home, baby. <laughs> hey, um, at the end, we, we, we oftentimes talk about um, the spirit of unity and peace and wedding because it is a core value. And a lot of times you hear me say it um, really trying to, to put some strong admonishment out there in the air for people who want to tear up this guard. We know that some of y'all got strong consciences. You got strong affiliations. We know that it is really complicated to try to live out our call to be the kind of church that we want to be, where people who truly want to vote Republican can be here and truly want to vote Democrat can be here and rich folks can be in here and poor folks can be in here and black, white, Hispanic people can be in here and former Pentecostals can be in here and people who sometimes on infant baptism, you can be here and all you Anglicans and former Catholics. That's hard, church, y'all. It's hard kind of church. You know how most people do church? They find people who line up with all the rest of their stuff and they do church together. And so we have put before you constantly that we're not interested in that kind of church. Amen, somebody. That we are interested in struggling together, sitting with one another, listening to one another, forgiving and repenting and trying to understand, doing the tireless work that we actually believe is gospel work, where Jesus takes people who were once enemies of his and makes them his friends, and then secondarily takes people who were once taught to be natural enemies of one another. And because of his example, teaches them how to forbear and love one another. That's the kind of church I want pastor, and I think that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. But everybody look at you and say, it ain't easy. <laughs> it ain't easy. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all did all y'all talking back already through the song, so I guess we got to keep it moving. We got to keep it moving. We got to keep it moving. But today, when we look at Romans 12, really briefly, it kind of follows in a very familiar chapter of Romans 12, right? Therefore, we beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. And do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... You've heard those scriptures over and over and over again, right? Um, and I love it because Romans 12 really is like the apex, right? One and two and three and four and five, six, all those chapters has really carefully and detailedly walk through the gospel and its implications, and then Romans 12 pivots and Paul says, here's how you live in light of all the truth of what Christ has done for you, right? And so he talks about having your mind renewed. He talks about uh, in, 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 in humble service um, in the body of Christ. But then once you get to verse 9 in chapter 12, it really starts talking about the ethic of love and how it is to be played, it's played, how it is to play itself out in the life of a believer. Love must be sincere, right? Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another, right? Uh, keep your word. Be joyful in hope, right? Share the Lord's peace. Share with the Lord's people. Be hospitable to people. That's verse 13. Bless people who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice, right? This is how the ethic of love works itself out for those people who believe they were enemies and now have been brought into Christ's fold. Give a new way that they see love. Now in verse 16... It says, live in harmony with one another. Everybody say, one another. That's the internal, right? But 18 
starts taking a different twist. I'll read verse 17 for you and you'll see the flow. Do not repay some people for evil, evil for evil. Is that what it says? It says, do not repay um, people who are nasty with you evil for evil. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of some people. Everyone or all, and then verse 18 where we are today, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with some people. Everyone. Now, I want to draw your attention really quickly that verse 18 and verse 16 are different. They are being addressed to two different people. They are both imperatives. They are both commands, but they're directed at two different people. Verse 16 says what? Live in harmony with who? One another. Who's the one another? It's the people in the body of Christ. Verse 18 then says what? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with who? Everyone. That word everyone for you Greek scholars in here, something similar to anthropos or the root word that just means mankind. That means all the image bearers that we are to attempt to live at peace with, right? I'm so glad I got a chance to preach this scripture with our choir because if y'all look, everybody choir, stand up real quick. I forgot, I forgot to put in my email too late to second prayers. I was going to get their robes, but they weren't available. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I had to settle for it. Everybody look around and see all these t-shirts. You see the uniformity we got? What's the uniformity? It ain't no uniformity, right? <laughs> right? We got some Jackson State. We got some Memphis. We got Wardell Stephen Curry up in here. I just didn't want to offend nobody. You can sit down. We got Memphis State. We got it all, right? And we did that on purpose, and we, we, we did all that singing, and, you know, Mandy was teaching us a song that we're going to sing in, at the end, right? She was doing her thing, you know, that sister put her cane down, she was over there sea walking and everything. I was like, damn, we need to go to her doctor. I mean, she was right with it, you know what I'm saying? But boom, she transformed when she got into her conducting mode, right? And then she would tell us, hey, I want this part in unison, right? Uh, and what is unison for all y'all out there? That's the one we all sing together, right? It sounds the same. Sometimes we sing it in different octaves. Sometimes the ladies are high. Sometimes the guys are low. But we're all singing the same notes, right? That's unison. But then the parts of the song that we spent the most time working on, oh, catch it. Catch it in here. Catch it in here. See, the parts of the song that, that, that really we had to take our time with and we had to sit down and we had to kind of go note by note. And, you know, if your name is Stephen Akindani, you're Nigerian, and you got a chance to sit up under his choir, you don't want to be wrong on that thing. Did you You don't want to be the one. You don't want to be the one, right? But it, it, take, it does, it takes time, right, to really work out because you're not singing the same things. But here's the thing. It's for, for most of us, even novices who listen to music, the sweetest and the most fullest parts of the song are usually not when we're singing in unison. Oh my God, it's when those harmonies come in and it's got a little bit of dissonance, but it's just so sweet. Some of y'all know that. Some of them, I was at the 3LR banquet and they were like, Pastor Tim, here's some watermelon. I go, ooh, let me get me a cup of watermelon. And they were like, no, no, you gotta put this on the watermelon. I was like, what? Oh, it's spicy. Spicy on the watermelon. I said, that is a sin. That is the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not put anything on your watermelon but watermelon goodness. No. 
I didn't even try it. I'm such a sucker. I didn't even try it. <laughs> but they like, Pastor Tim, it's so good, right? You could taste all this. It pulls this out. And how is it that sometimes the sweetest things take the hardest work? The command to live in harmony. I love the word harmony because it, it precludes, it assumes that you will not be doing the same thing, that there is differences out there. To live harmoniously means you will have to acknowledge and appreciate the difference and work to make it mesh together. Sadly, I don't see a lot of the body of Christ participating in working for harmony. And they actually would use the scriptures to license them as to why they don't have to live in harmony with everyone. And I would say, you better go back to the book. Since you want to live in harmony with everyone. Now, here's the caveat. It does say, if possible. It ain't always possible. Some of y'all don't deserve my love. I'm just playing. It is possible. But here's the caveat. If possible, as far as it what? Depends on you. Depends on me. It takes two to tango, right? And when people want to uh, live in disunity with the church, we have to let it be because they want to, not because we have cut them off. As far as it depends on us, we will maintain the olive branch. And we have struggled to try to understand what it looks like to really be socially tolerant and theologically intolerant. That's the rub. Usually people run to one side or the other. They say live at harm, Pastor Tim, the word says live at harmony with all people. And so then they turn into universalists and they, hey, there's grace for everybody. You get grace and you get grace and everybody gets grace. Amen. I hear you. But I'm sorry. That does not line up with scripture. Do you know that you can say that? Do you know that you can say, oh man, I'm so sorry. As, as, as far as I know in scripture, that does not align. But I love you so much. Can you still come over for dinner? Don't you see why the world, why the United States of America needs this scripture worked out? Because most people just don't believe it. You live differently. Oh, you got, oh, you the same sex couple. Y'all live over there. And, okay. Yeah, well, no. Come on. Hang out. Eat some food. Sit down on the couch. Well, does that mean you believe what I'm doing? I, I disagree with that, but I love you. Why we can't do life? What's the problem? The church is really caught in a weird space. Either they go in and license anything and everything that they don't believe lines up, or they keep them, they live as separatists, away from everybody. But the gospel in the incarnation of Jesus has modeled for you that you can do something different. You can go dine with tax collectors. You can be with the outcasts and maintain your values but demonstrate something different to them that really just blows their mind. While the rest of the world is pushing away from them, you could be still extending the olive branch to them and the desire affirming that you want to live at peace with them. Why, Pastor Tim? 
Because peace is kind of our thing. It's kind of what we do, right? It is the fruit of the life of God in the life of a redeemed believer. James 3 and 17 says this. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What you talking about, James? He's like, yeah, man, the fruit that the Holy Spirit is rest ruling and abiding in the lives and hearts of people makes them peace-loving, considerate, submissive, and full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. That's what happens. You don't just learn more scriptures when you become a Christian. You don't just learn different kind of ideologies and theology. Something happens radically to your heart and the way you treat other image bearers. Maybe we should just pause right there. If the way that you have learned to treat image bearers have not radically changed since you've come to Jesus, if Jesus has not made you more hospitable, more patient, more self-sacrificing, something is off. If you become stingier, nastier, grumpier, and less desirable to be around, something is going wrong. We are not living out of our new identity. This is almost verbatim what Paul tells the Galatians. What is the, the fruit of the Spirit? Peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, all those things. Something radical happens to your heart, not just vertically, but horizontally in the way you deal with the people. Why? Because that's God's nature, right? He's patient. He's kind. He's slow to anger. Yes, God has the standard. But this has been the testimony of scripture that human beings are running around and they're existing in God's common grace, never truly getting what they deserve. That's what the whole scripture is about. Even people who have not received the free grace of Jesus are still not getting what they deserve. Everybody's getting mercy. The only difference between you in here and the ones out there is you realize it. You realize the breath you're breathing is not your own. You, re you realize that you deserve hell even for the smallest acts of treason that you have committed against God. You realize it, but everybody's getting mercy because he is a benevolent God. And as a matter of fact, what's the end of all things? He's going to reconcile all things back to himself. You know what that means? He's going to make peace. Like his death placed peace between you and God. And his death has now made it accessible for you to have access to God. But secondarily, his death has brought peace between you and you. You Pennsylvania man. And you South Memphis man. And you Auburn girl. And you Yankee. No reasons to be together. Little Vietnamese fellow. And you, South Texas, Rio Grande, no reasons to be together but because of the cross. He's reconciling. And his big ta-da act is when he finally pulls all the world together to act harmoniously. 
You know why we live at peace? We try to pursue peace as far as it depends on us with everybody, including those outside the church, because it demonstrates the character of our God and what he's trying to do. Jeremiah 31, he says, I've drawn them with loving kindness. So here goes my peace. They bullying people into choosing me when all the while I'm drawing people with loving kindness. Choose Jesus. Come, everybody. Peace is the way, y'all. Peace is the way. Peace is the way. Not just inside the church, but outside. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. And that's not a super spiritual concept, but it is a truth that we we don't participate in being contentious for contentious sake. We are not trying to live in a chaotic space. As a matter of fact, First Timothy said, we try to live peaceable lives. And I want you to think about as you leave, as you come and approach this table today, the one who has made peace with God on your behalf, how are you participating in that ethic and demonstrating that to a dying world who knows nothing else but to be hostile to one another? They don't know no better. Oh, you disagree with me? Well, I'm going to tell you all. I'm going to box you out. I'm going to say nasty things about you. I'm going to emotionally withdraw from you. I'm going to cut you off. That's what carnal-minded people do. They don't know no better. But you who have been shown a more excellent way how are you demonstrating this reconciling, peacemaking ministry of Jesus to the world around you? I want you to think about it. We come to the table.